Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hello. It is January 22nd. We're here for episode 111. You've got some potassium chloride in my ribonucleic acid. Yeah, I went sciencey with this one. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I will say the potassium chloride is a little bit of a stretch. Because... No, yeah, no, it's a salt. And <laughs> I mean, to be fair, salty kind of works. But yeah, no, I just went with science terms. Yeah, they have nothing to do with each other. I, I do know yeah, that no. much. We have to put it out there. For those of you who may not have taken biology or chemistry before, uh, potassium chloride's uh, acronym is KCL, but a lowercase l does look like an uppercase I, and then ribonucleic acid is, of course, RNA. Which is Ravnica Allegiance's set title, A. so yay. Yeah, so basically- I, 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 waited, I waited for this one. <laughs> yeah. Basically, there was a BNR announcement yesterday- uh, as of time of recording, uh, Monday, for those of you who listen into the future. January 21st. Um, gonna, yeah, January 21st, excuse me. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that, and then we're going to dive into what Ravnica Legion Standard has given us so far. Ahead of this weekend, we have SCG Indianapolis, which is the first big look at Ravnica Legion Standard. Now, like I was mentioning kind of last week a little bit, it's kind of awkward and weird because we have this week at SCG Indianapolis and then next week at SCG Baltimore. But next week at SCG Baltimore, it's team event. So you're only going to get like a small snippet of standard. And well, then we'll, also, get, we'll get the, the big classics. Thing to remember, the big thing to remember at the team events is that it doesn't necessarily mean if a standard deck does well that that's a good standard deck, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because it could also have been buoyed by the the modern or legacy pilots correct uh, skill as well and and one thing that and that's why with baltimore you're going to really want to kind of look more at the open results than you will at the actual team event ones mm -hmm. just because of course yeah you're buoyed yeah. by that so i will actually be at hmm, at scg baltimore uh in the legacy seat i'm down to one of two decks infect duh and burn just because I just didn't feel like there was enough time for me to pick up a Grixis deck. And a lot of the Grixis decks that I would be looking at would be running, ooh gosh, Cabal Therapy. And Oh yeah, that's a card that really requires knowledge of the metagame. Yeah, not even just the metagame, but of the format in general that I don't have. Uh, mainly because you need to kind of have an idea what your opponent's been doing and what they could be representing to blind name something with Cabal Therapy. And I just don't have that. Uh, I didn't have the time available to do it. Anyway, uh, yeah, Infect is, you know, stuff I've been playing for a while. Burn is, I've actually been playing longer in Legacy, but it's relatively straightforward, but also tricky. I've actually lava spiked myself a couple times. Uh, when your opponent sticks that natty opening seven, uh, late line of sanctity, you need to pump yeah, your, you, you need to pump your mark. You need to pump Swift Spear somehow somehow yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was just one of those like that matchup i just didn't have anything worth sideboarding out do you have your 20 arabian nights mountains prepared no dude it's probably going to be <laughs> if i do get burned i actually need to purchase some more mountains because none of mine match i don't have the 19 and i don't have a 19 set so they'll probably be uh unstable full that arts be too bad I mean, when I was at the RPTQ for teams and I was playing mono red, I was playing all unglued mountains. So 
that's a little pricier. I mean, mountains for unstable, I think, are like three fifty or something. I think so, I priced it out well, with with what I have and what I need. It would run me like twenty bucks to get the rest of the lands. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, the ungood lands do tend to be a little pricier, anyways, because they're older and you know they're yeah. unique, just like the unstable lands worst, and the unhinged lands before them. Worst comes to worst, I still can run John Avon, uh, full art Zendikar lands. So MBD, there you go. But or or just be a full monster and get white bordered. Anyways, I am look. I will not stoop to that level. I mean, I you're get it. You're so- already being a monster if you're playing Burn. Just go Hulk Hog. Okay? Dude, Burn or Infect. I'm a total monster. I'd rather <laughs> Anyways, be a monster for my ahead. deck and not my card art choices. Let's go ahead and jump to the big topic du jour of the past couple days, which was the BNR announcement. Uh, standard, no changes, new set, makes sense. Legacy and Vintage, also no changes. That makes sense. Those formats seem to be doing pretty all right uh, at the current time. Um uh, the big two formats people were lo- looking at were Modern and Popper, and Modern did see a single card get banned, and that was Krark Clan Ironworks. Yep, and lending the KCI to the title, but you know, like I said, KCL, whatever. Anyway, uh, again, Krark Clan Ironworks is the four-man artifact from Fifth from, Dawn. Uh, yeah, Fifth Dawn. That just reads, sack an artifact, add two to your mana pool. Uh, there are some really weird timing, uh, rules that incur with mana production. So there's this weird thing with scrap trawler triggers, mirror retriever triggers. Um, when you sack an artifact to cast a spell using mana made by Krok Clan Ironworks, that just makes it, makes the, makes playing KCI more of a, I'm going to use this loop this kind of quote-unquote loophole in the rules to get around you interacting in a meaningful way um and then at the same time uh there are magic online restrictions as well because i've known some people who've played kci who they just put an Cool the eons torn in their deck because executing the actual loops that are necessary to generate infinite mana just requires too many clicks and they just go to you know make 15 mana here's Emrakul, and then attack you yeah so i actually so the only time I've actually played against a KCI player in paper, this goes to show you how little modern I play in paper, um, was way back at GP San Antonio in 2017. Yeah, was it 2017? Yeah, no, it was 2017. Yeah, it was the uh, the the modern team trios mm-hmm. uh, because I remember we didn't make day two, but I played uh, Modern Masters 2017. So yeah, it was 2017, and I played against Matthias Hunt who was playing KCI. And back then it was running uh, Emrakul as the win con. So yeah. 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 It turns out that when you have one player like Matt Nass, who's basically barely sub 90% win percentage with the deck, multiple Grand Prix top eights, multiple Grand Prix championships with this deck and other people as well. It's never been a huge meta share just because of the barrier to entry to the deck is so high, but when it performs as consistently as it does, that's what eventually got KCI the banhammer, plus having it having the egg, the quote unquote eggs problem of taking 10, 11 minute turns um, is also something that is just unacceptable. It spins its wheels and then it suddenly kills you. And sometimes it's hard to understand. Like a good pilot of KCI would be able to demonstrate the loops and, and adequately explain them, but at the same time, you know, if your win condition is going to be, I'm going to loop this pyrite spell bump. 10 times and kill you well there's something you need to do yeah uh so like 
Ian Duke, who wrote the BNR announcement article, mentioned uh, essentially only one other archetype, which is blue-white control or blue-white X control. So that's that's looking at just straight blue-white or Jeskai control. Put up half as many top eight finishes as Ironworks. So like John said, Matt Nass did a like you, we can infer by that statement that Matt Nass did his lion's share of the work in terms of yeah. contributing to the KCI ban. That not you know Matt wasn't trying to get a ban. He's just really good with the deck. Like if you if you break a format or you break a deck, like say KCI in this case, and you don't take advantage of it, then you're just kind of fooling yourself. It, it goes back to the old story of Randy Bueller and um, uh, what's his name, Eric. Yeah, Eric Lauer, who they, they flew to Europe, broke memory jar, and flew to flew to a European GP so that they could break the whole Tolarian Tolarian Academy memory jar deck. Yeah, they, you know, they literally. It, it is actually in your prerogative, your best interest, if you break a format, to play it as much as possible. And then either you get to keep playing it or it gets banned. And then you go, well, I had my fun. Yeah. And that basically, that trip to Europe essentially led to both Randy and Eric getting hired at Wizards because they were the, they were the people who were behind just utterly breaking the heck out of that format. Yeah. And that directly led to, oh gosh, we need pro player level players in our R&D department to make sure this doesn't happen again. And exactly. It kind of didn't. Well, this is modern and modern is the home of busted things happening all oh, the time. I, yeah. So. I, well, I meant more of like the printing just utterly broken stuff in standard yes, or whatever type of environment true. you want to talk about. Yeah. So the, um, the, it was a weird kind of mention of a, a game one pre sideboard win rate that everyone's like, Oh God, please no best of one modern. And they're never going to do it. All right. I'm not going to say never, but if they do a best of one modern, yikes. Yeah, best of one modern is not going to be the same as modern now, where, you know, everyone knows that game one can sometimes effectively come down to who got who got to go first. And the sideboards are where the real depth of the format happened, which is why in the past people have advocated for 20 card modern sideboards. Um, which I don't think is a good idea. No. When and, yeah, when your sideboards are literally like you have you when you have to decide okay which basically modern sideboard design comes down to okay what decks am i weak to you make a 25 card plan for that and then you think okay what has been putting up results lately which decks do i want to just be like yep i'm gonna absolutely lose to it if i go up against it when it comes to that it's bad <laughs> i mean basically all all of modern sideboarding kind of comes down to graveyard hate artifact hate combo hate and then anti-control cards yeah it's basically all it comes down to whereas like a standard sideboard is going to be okay i have my control package i have my mirror package i have my aggro package and then i have my mid-range package it's instead of being like you know labeled in that kind of more broad spectrum like you know every black deck or not every black deck but most black decks in standard would probably do very well sideboarding duress well, duress isn't well. A, it's not that great in modern, but it's you don't have to worry about the same things in standard like you do in modern. Now, now, kind of a good example of this from a deck that's no longer in modern of that kind of cyborg mentality and kind of technically why it got banned was the Splinter Twin decks. By the end, blue red Splinter Twin became Grixis Splinter Twin, 
And it could literally just sideboard out the entire combo of your three Pestermite or your two Pestermite, three uh, Deceiver Exarch, four Splinter Twin. So you're looking at what? Seven, nine, nine, cards. nine to ten cards you could take out. And you probably take one or two other cards out of there too. And then just pop in a bunch of Karanoses and a bunch of counter spells and draw spells and just sit behind a like a fortified shell of like you're never going to resolve anything if you resolve it it's going to die kind of modern deck and they that's why they did the for the it was very good at what it did because even if post sideboarding you think they cited out all the combo you can never be sure so you have to play around the combo and you have to respect it and the funniest part too would be like okay so you have the combo in game you get comboed out game one they take the combo out game two so you think okay cool and you win and they might just sideboard in one Splinter Twin and like one of one or two of the other cards and like do like a half sideboard combo where you might just get God out of nowhere even when you're expecting just the full control lock anyway. It's yeah, it was weird. But KCI was just a deck that you couldn't even some decks, even with their sideboard plans, couldn't even really beat KCI. Even with like normally a, dark, a deck. Like, normally this is a deck that loses to things like Stony Silence, which Stony Silence was a big hoser for, but, like, Rest in Peace, a, a card you would think would be very, very good against it. You know, I play Rest in Peace, I put the trigger on the stack, and if you have any amount of board presence, you could just pick up your entire graveyard. And it just would be like, oops, okay, now I've got to, you know, Nature's Claim, your Rest in Peace, and just do it all over again. It's just one of those, um, It's just it was just very, very resilient. And very, very redundant in ways that weren't good for the modern format. Now, that said, Croc Clan Ironworks wasn't the only card that they looked at. They, Ian Duke did mention two other cards that they did kind of take a look at for possible bannings, which were Ancient Stirrings and Mox Opal, both of which have been panned as, you know, Ancient Stirrings is the most powerful cantrip in in modern and mox opal is the best mana production so so in modern he, he he gave them two nice categories card selection and fast mana so yeah uh so and the thing just, the thing with yeah. ancient stirrings and i'm just going to go with what ian said here i'm reading from the article factor we consider is that ancient stirrings unlike more general card selection spells like ponder or preordain again those are two cards that have been brought up as like well ancient stirrings is better because you get looking more cards and all that stuff but Ancient Strings bring deck-building restrictions. When we examine the effect of powerful cards, we consider whether they are increasing or decreasing the number of viable decks in the environment. In the current state of the metagame, the build-around nature of Ancient Strings supports decks that look very different from a simple collection of the strongest rate cards that may otherwise exist. He then goes on to explain, we have a new generation of Amulet Titan decks now. Like, Titan's back. Amulet decks have kind of seen an uptick. And and for Mox Opal, er, was Hardened Scales is the example. And also... Reason why he used hardened scales and not just affinity is because our old classic arcbound ravager style yeah. um, things have fallen out of favor for the hardened scales count plus one plus one counters with like still overseer. Wait, still plays ravager because ravager is insane with that. Card. Well, yeah, I was. It's the the older school kind of builds with exactly. Yeah, it, it's really weird how it changed but didn't. But yeah, yeah. The, it turns out that playing green for hardened scales was actually a good idea and it was really funny how watching that kind of happen organically because you know when hardened scales came out in cause of tarkir because e and i are both playing i don't know how much modern you're playing at the time i was picking um, up modern 
yeah, I was I was doing so around the same time too, and we would have laughed if you had told us that this card would be seeing modern play probably. Well, the funny part is, is it went, I did a couple Konzatark here box opening streams, and one of them I had a foil rare in one of my boxes, which was bulk at the time. It was a hardened scales. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is now I I'm pretty sure I sold it. I held it for like three or four years, and I'm like I'm just going to sell this off in a sell list, and of course. Four months later, Hardened Skills became a deck. Like you do. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, that's just how it goes. That's a $12 <laughs> card now. But uh, they decided to go with a surgical scalpel slice of, hey, look, this deck is called KCI. Let's literally, like, they actually did the, we're just going to ban the deck or the card that the deck is named for. Hope Like, usually when they ban a card, they will try to not kill it. Or kill the deck in archetype. This case, in this in this case, they're like, like John mentioned, uh, eggs, uh, yeah. cracking a bunch of artifacts to draw cards, create mana, all that kind of thing. Yeah, we just couldn't have eggs. Um, that said, I actually mentioned a, a card or a deck that did exist had one of its primary cards that was a namesake card. In this case, Amulet Bloom. So this being Summer Bloom, that got banned out of it with the hope of, hey, we think Summer Bloom is the real problem in this deck. Amulet Titan decks can still exist, and they do. And that that yeah. was a great, honestly, Summer Bloom was a great ban in terms of gimping a deck but not killing it. Splinter yeah. Twin, which got banned at the same time, was definitely a case of, I hate, it kills me to say this as a splint, someone who built it and played it, Splinter Twin needed to die. Now there is an then. argument with Twin it that needed to die. Then, a, yeah, we we there's there was an argument at the time of like what you would ban from Splinter Twin. Everyone was like, you can't ban Splinter Twin itself. It's a four mana enchantment that I have to play on sorcery speed on a creature. Um, there were some arguments that Deceiver Exart needed to get banned because it being a one four was the main detrimental reason why the combo was so good because Lightning Bolt couldn't hit it. Let's um, let's put it this way: Rending Volley, a one mana deal fort damage to a creature. Became can't a be countered and can't be countered became a very popular card in red deck yeah. sideboards, literally for one deck. And they were already playing combust before that, which is one in a red deal five to a wider blue creature, which rending volley deals four damage to a wider blue creature. Can't both of them can't be countered, both have the damage, can't be preventing claws. And rending volley was a strict upgrade as an answer to twin, and it just it's still like twin players. Twin players will play that in their sideboard specifically for the mirror match. Yeah, some and so, it got towards the end where like literally twin players were playing a one. Like some were so degenerate to play one of in the main board just as like a. I'm probably playing twin at some point. I'm playing the mirror. It's it could yeah. be a completely total dead card game one, but I don't care. Exactly. Like now, there were some people who were upset that there were no unbans. Uh, popular to- popular talk topic of conversation was Stoneforge Mystic. Um, being a card that would be unbanned. However, Aaron Forsyth did actually address it, uh, retweeted it from the podcast account, where he basically said, with blue-white control and just-sky control being the top three most best-performing, being the second or third best-performing decks in GP Top 8s next to KCI, unbanning Stoneforge Mystic is kind of a hard pill to swallow or harder to justify with these white control decks being so prevalent in Top 8 structures. And counter-argument to that is pretty cut and dry, is that Stoneforge isn't really a control card. It can be, um, but you it's not the same ga- – it doesn't go in the same deck as the Blue-White or the Jeskai decks are where they're trying to win with Teferi and Jace and then maybe Celestial Colonnade 
whereas Stoneforge Mystic really wants things like Squadron Hawks or other evasive threats like Geist to go with it to put these powerful artifacts like Batter Skull or Sword of Feast and Famine on. And Fire and Ice, yeah. They, a, uh, a blue eye control deck is not looking to tap out on turn two for a one-two. Yeah, it just it just really isn't, even if it shuffles its deck. Yeah, it's it's really not. They're looking to hold up Remand or Syncopate. Lo- or logic Knot, if they've yeah, already logic done not. something. Yeah. You, know, you crack two fetches and have done your Serum Visions on turn one, you can yeah. Logic Knot for three if you need to. Yeah. Yeah, so, so. it's, I don't know. I, I'm... I'll say I was this. still hoping for I was still hoping for a preordain unbanned, but that's okay. No, the fact they mentioned preordain um, being powerful still kind of makes it like I don't think that's on their radar to take. I don't off. think it's on their radar at all either. No, I would say this probably not the next BNR like set release one because I know they do one before Pro Tours as well too. Yeah, they're doing one in March. Is the next one March 11th? I want to say yeah. is the date. I would say the one we get after, like right around the release of War of the Spark probably won't be that next probably won't be the next time we see i don't think uh it'll be unbanned then i do think the next logical time to see a potential based on giving it six months of meta play or six to eight months of meta play will be the summertime set that ban restricted time i think would be probably when you could really expect to see okay how does the format look with modern is blue control a thing still can they test the waters with Stoneforge at that point? Yeah. I I don't think we're going to get a quick hit on this on the next uh, set release BNR. Yeah. Pro Tour BNR. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to standard because yikes. Um, yeah. But now, there, the other format. Yeah. Wanna, the other format that we mentioned that we were caring about was Popper. So there's actually a couple interesting things with Popper. So there was no ban in Popper, technically. There is actually a ban online for Popper. Yeah, that was a weird one. It's really weird. There's no actual ban or unbans on Popper, but they've actually banned Hada Freeblade, Spatial Contortion, and Circle of Flame on Magic Online specifically because it has only ever existed as a promotional card on Magic Online. Therefore, it's technically viewed it was viewed by uh, Magic Online as a common, so therefore it could still be played. However, they've only ever been printed in paper and in other format like everything else as uncommons they were never released in a set as a common which is why they had to kind of weird sideways ban it um, yeah but they are absolutely 100 percent looking at gush foil interaction um mm-hmm. they said their metagame data does not indicate that taking this action in time will be premature or indicates that taking the action would be premature they are looking to see how the metagame adjusts to play through them i and they're also saying we appreciate continued community feedback on discussion through articles, forums, and social media. So they absolutely are seeing all of these wonderful articles that, like we mentioned, Alex and Kendra are putting out. God, I really do hope it goes. Honestly, I really hope they get a enough of a swell behind it, especially because we're getting those, uh, whatever they called, Mythic Championships now, the Pro yeah. Tour. Whatever the yeah. Pro Tour is now. With those, yeah, because yeah, Magic Fest LA has a Popper Mythic Championship qualifier. Yeah, the MCQs being in Popper, yikes. Um, we'll see how that goes. I think it'll happen probably in the summertime, maybe the fall. Uh, yeah. I, I, I will be utterly surprised if we get out of 2019 and Gush has not been in Popper. 
I'm gonna put it right now. I know it's 12 months, uh, closer to 11 at this point, but yeah. In the next 11, in the next 11 months, I expect Gush to not be in Pauper anymore. Well, I bet that MCQ top eight is going to be real telling. Yes. As far as them. Now, uh, before I, we move on to Ravnica Allegiance, I do I didn't want to go ahead and throw a plug. I meant to do this at the top of the show. Uh, Gavin Verhey, who was at the PPR, actually uh, did an interview with Clarion Community College. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that yet. up on YouTube. It is – so the first one's out. It's an hour-long conversation about a lot of different things. They're going to do another video released later just about Popper. And the first, the first issue, the first episode that went up today is fantastic. Gavin talks about a lot of different things, um, mentions Popper briefly here and there, uh, but a lot of it was just fantastic. Um, I recommend everyone to go check it out. Link to it in our show notes as well if you are absolutely interested in viewing that. I, I just didn't have a chance to watch it today, giving work and stuff yeah. after work, but that is absolutely. Yeah. I mean, any anytime Gavin's on a show, it's a you should go listen to it yeah we should get yeah. him on here sometime <laughs> i haven't i have definitely had that thought before we'll, moving, we'll, we'll let's talk go ahead <laughs> moving ahead let's go ahead and talk about ravnica legion standard because it's been on arena for a couple of days it's been on magic online now for a couple of days and we actually have our first deck dump so it happened yesterday as well from the competitive standard leagues of decks that went five up so we kind of need to give a weird kind of asterisk to what it's looking like so far in that technically it's not legal in paper yet. Yeah. So um, they've honestly, I've loved the changes that they've done with magic online and now arena as well, where instead of back in the day you used to get the you used to do pre-releases where you'd select your guild or whatever or clan online and you'd buy a token for it and you go to pre-release queue with the sealed thing. Now they just have, yeah, no, we're just going to put the whole set online. Like it's already, coded in line we might as well just make every format available with those cards so we get a nice little preview the week before it even like technically goes live in paper yeah which i think is great because oh, it's it's perfect especially because you have like oh we got this week one format people are going to already have a decent amount of experience with the week one format so they can go into hopefully they would have at least a modicum of understanding what their deck does mm, exactly as opposed to making um, a bunch of errors on yeah, not really. We get better deck lists and better a better snapshot of like the early metagame as opposed to people kind of swinging in the dark. Mm-hmm. But now so far from these 5-0 decks, as well as people decks have been playing people on Arena, for example, the guys from the GAM podcast, they actually have a Twitter account that's uh, Arena Deck Lists where they just post a bunch of arena deck lists yeah it's uh jerry uh, thompson and brian gottlieb they uh yeah. they've literally just made this deck this whole twitter account basically you can tweet at them or it's at arena deck lists literally name is on the tin and post good screenshots of your deck list and everything like that and they're retweeting it and they already have 40 plus tweets up of just retweets and everything of that sort of decks just showing oh yeah what's going on like just Quick scrolling through here, we're going to talk about some of these. Like, there's a Bant Nexus. There's a Bant. God, what is this? Bant Hadana's climb. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, with oh god, a lot of Hadana's climbs back. Oh yeah, it's cool. So you know, you got Flame of Keld decks. There you go, John. Light, oh, yeah. light up the stage in Flame of Keld. Um, yeah, all kinds of craziness going on. Ba- or what's it? Saltai's round. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, go check that out. They they're doing a great. Yeah. They're doing a great service. But yeah, we're just going to kind of do a little bit of an overview of what people have been doing well with and what people have been trying out. 
Um, sadly, no persistent petitioners decks. I mean, maybe that'll come later. Yeah, I. <laughs> you and your mill. What? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I just like I just like things that are off the wall, and that's definitely off the wall. I got to be so um, persistent about it. Yeah, I'm gonna try to keep this silent. <laughs> uh, the big just look winner. For the, look for the large spikes of laughter. Exactly. Uh, the big one of the big winners obviously has to be skewer the critics. Um, there's been a variety of red aggro decks that have been using this card. It's just fantastic. Um, you know, even at its three mana mode, it's you know not the worst. But if you're building around it in an aggressive red deck, then you're really gonna you know you're gonna go at all comers. And like if you want to look at you know a couple of you know the various aggro decks, it's it's just very very good. Yeah, one of the ones that's really taking some pretty good advantages. There's some red burn decks, like just straight up mono red burn. Um, I'm trying to find the burn. Yeah, mono red aggro. Like Here it is. if everybody's want, want, wanting to play these shock lands, then you can just show up and go. Okay, I'm gonna have twelve lightning bolts. Yeah. So you're good look, luck. you're looking at like, and now that too, you're looking at stuff like. Vaishino Pyromancer, which is going to nug him for two in the face anyway. And it's a wizard for Wizard's Lightning. Um, the, the craziest part of this deck is Runaway Steamkin. Um, oh, yeah. Runaway oh. Steamkin in a mono-red deck with Experimental Frenzy out in play. Oh. That card can take you from 20 to zero with, like, eight spells. You're, you're make, you are making my day. I know. Well, I mean, it's great. And the best part is Vaishino Pyromancer and Gitu Lava Runner are both wizards, which gives you Wizard's Lightning for bolt mana yep. which is crazy now granted that monorite aggro deck's only playing two skewer the critics because you know you're not gonna run a full four but yeah it's whatever but no, no. monorite's pretty ridiculous i mean honestly i expect to see a bunch of people running mono red at scg indie this weekend red burn is you red the aggro the, decks the tropes tend to be very good yeah, the tropes of aggro control and mid-range really are very stark in contrast week one especially scg events yeah. you'll see a lot now, of also just to go ahead and point this out, out as well several of the other top eight five decks from this dump are just players from last standard like white weenie is still running around whether it's splashing red or not pretty sure there was a golgari deck or two that were up there as yep, well there's a golgari mid-range picked up hydrid crisis well so it's no i'm looking splash it, yeah. it says golgari mid-range but yeah. yeah literally that's the only thing uh, that's really different is it picked up hydrid crisis everything else now, is the same <laughs> now Patrick Chapin's pick for the card that's going to warp standard is Wilderness Reclamation. Oh, God. And we have had a lot of blue-green X decks experimenting with Wilderness Reclamation. Uh, Bant Nexus being kind of the uh, the deck du jour after ha after how Bant Turbofog performed in the last standard prior to Guilds of Ravnica being released. Uh, also, Teamer uh, Wilderness Reclamation has been something that um, Todd Anderson has been advocating for in his in the Versus series. Because what you're able to do is you're able to float a bunch of mana on your end step, untap all your lands with Wilderness Reclamation, tap them all again, and then cast an explosion because it's an instant for just a bajillion mana. Yeah, so, um, John, just for the people who, who might not understand the reaction or interaction there. So Wilderness Reclamation is a three and a green enchantment that says at the beginning of your end step, untap all lands you control. Now that goes on as a trigger, correct? Correct. Okay, so. It is a trigger that goes on the yeah, stack. So you tap it on the, you, trigger goes on the stack, tap all your mana, resolve yep. the trigger untap tap again i've seen people hit for uh oh god you told me 40 44 because they had like two or three album so basically in each one triggers separately yes so you tap all your mana untap to one wilderness reclamation tap all your mana again untap to another one tap all your mana again untap to another one 
and you've literally just used your mana four times. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I was like, why isn't why isn't Banefire in here? And I'm like, oh, John was like, because it's an instant. I'm like, no, oh. it's a sorcery. It's well, no, 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 I meant expansion explosions the instant over Banefire. Banefire, being correct. Yeah. And I was like, but you can just run it. No, it, no, you just run. You run the instant. <laughs> I was, I was a derp. Don't worry about me. I'll, yeah, I'll be, it, I'll be just fine. I mean, that's a, that's an excellent question. Like you look at the deck and it makes a bunch of mana. And you go, well, why are they not playing Banefire? Just because, well, they're trying to break Wilderness Reclamation. That's the whole point. And, and they Banefire kind of doesn't are. do that. <laughs> the fact that you can but, the fact you can go, basically win on turn five with that thing with the, the the bant versions of the deck is disgusting yeah because with the bant versions you go turn four reclamation turn five to fairy tick up you get an untap two lands trigger and untap all your lands trigger that's floating seven mana cast nexus of fate go to your next turn um is kind of ridiculous and a really, really kind of crazy line of play. And, and it was kind of funny too. People were like, oh, well, they printed a new fog. It's like, no, that was an M19. They just gave a new art. Yeah, I figured when I saw that there was a fog in the sun, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the one from M19. Yeah, it was. They're not going to they're not gonna give them eight fogs. Yeah, they actually just reprinted Root Snare, which is the one. It's just one in a green instant prevent all combat damage that we dealt this turn. Yeah. Which is still annoying yeah. because we mentioned aggro is a thing. So... Fully expect to see a bunch of that popping back up. But no, yeah. I won't lie. Some of these teamer decks are just like, oof. Speak, well, actually, let's let's keep going on the teamer theme. Uh, the pod on a stick, Prime Speaker Van. Prime Speaker Van. Yeah, the two blue-green, 2-4 two, Elf Ooze Wizard that you tap, sack another creature, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's CMC. Put on the battlefield, shuffle your library, activate it as a sorcery. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Oh boy. This is running four Rhythm of the Wild, which is like that enchantment that gives your creature spells can't be countered, and all your creatures have riot, or non token creatures have riot. So you basically, <laughs> you can start cooking off. Yes, you can. Like some really cool cards. I mean, Rekindling Phoenix, you sack it, you get the token, you you sack that into a Biogenic Ooze, which then makes Prime Speaker Vanifar larger and you get an ooze and it's it's gross yeah and then like depending on what colors you want to splash with it you can either get things like moldrotha if you want to play black you can get uh ravager worm if you're playing red um it's just it's just a very very versatile deck that has a big restriction you know you have to build this quote-unquote pod curve of one twos threes fours fives and sixes and then do you want to play a seven? It does. It, Do you want to play an eight? You can top off with Palaka Worm for the lovely gain seven trample. Yeah, you do. And the thing is, if you you know if you absolutely need to, you can just sack it and kill it and get the card draw. Well, I don't know why we would do that. It's okay. Though. By the way, we, now, we do actually have a clone in the deck too. It runs Mirror Image, which is a yeah. two and a blue, zero, zero shapeshifter from M19. You may have Mirror Image enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature you control. So you can just pod i guess you can call it pod away pod away something with prime speaker van or copy it with mirror image and then pod the copy away and you still have that other one there ready to go for next turn yeah i mean you can now, pod into biogenic who's in siege gang of five dream meter at six it's gross or raptor yeah. one now one one deck that everyone just got hyped about when they saw kaya's wrath because it's a four mana wrath and they're like four mana wraths are back i did but it. Then i just kept looking at i just kept looking at the mana cost and i'm like how often are you casting this on turn four Thing is, it's black. It's white, white, black, black. Thing is, you're probably wanting to cast it on turn five. 
Because, like, if you look at the Esper Control mana base, for example, there was one of those decks that managed to uh, 5-0 the league. And here's the thing. It's playing zero basic islands in a deck with, <laughs> yeah. with like, in a deck that Fortiferi. ideally wants to play, yeah, Fortiferi. Now, the deck that 5-0'd actually is doing a very good job of not playing a card like Absorb. If, like, if you want to play Absorb and Kaya's Wrath, you're probably making a mistake uh, because you need some number of islands to even play Absorb, my dude, to play these blue-blue spells. My dude, there was an Esper control list by the, the user Oyola that is running th- yeah. for Absorb, three Kaya's but Wrath. Yeah, but they're only running three Kaya's Wrath. That's the big thing there. Like, you can't, you can't jam for absorb and for kaya's wrath oh right yeah and hope to get there like this it's a very nuanced decision that you have to make as a control player which control players are very good at doing and understanding you know hey my mana can only support this and it's also it's also it's also kind of fun too looking at a bunch of these there's one that doesn't even run it like there was three esper control lists one that was the four uh actually that one's only running three kaya's wrath too but one that's leaning on Planeswalkers as your win con, so Karn and Teferi. One that was leaning on Chromium the Mutable as its win con. That was the one with yeah. all the absorbs. And then there's another one that's run, running a Singleton Lyra Dawnbringer. So, yeah. and, it's, and it's playing as Kaya's Wraths in the sideboard. Yeah, it's like, do you want your Baneslayer Angel or do you want this giant dragon? <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, I, I'm honestly stoked that Esper Control is there. I don't think it's great right now i think the i think i mean the mana is as good as we're gonna get um, oh, no, no, no. especially considering you know how we're never we're probably never seeing shock land or fetch lands back in standard and we're definitely not seeing fetches with shock lands in standard after what happened in battle for zendikar correct but i there is there's actually an esper mid-range too technically you're yes. precinct one yeah, thief the- of sandy hasha taker with them yeah the um the reason why i say it's not good right now is because control decks are historically bad we mentioned aggro decks are great week one because they're looking to just smash face control decks are bad week one usually because they don't know what they're attacking control does best when it has a very established solid metagame or a rotating metagame that they know that they'd be like okay we can plan for the more mid-range decks this week as opposed to aggro decks so they're going to change their cyborg they may tweak their numbers from like a four of of this one particular card to a two of um basically if you're looking at like a counter spell versus kill spell they change how they want to attack your how what your game plan is based off of what you're trying to do um usually you'll find kill spells being more prevalent when aggro is kind of a thing if it's mid-range you're going to have a little more control spells just or counter spells just because they're they might be the mid-range decks will probably leaning more on the planeswalker aspects of things too so yeah we see that in each of these different three control lists is it like it's literally doing three different things. So mm-hmm. I, I, I expect I'll- it to, I definitely expect Esper to probably be the control deck du jour due to the wraths that it has, as opposed to Jeskai like we had last time. Yeah. Like that's just Kaya's wrath is a very, very powerful card. And this card that I think will, de- will demand respect. Correct. So, but it just, Casting on turn four outside of a dedicated black-white deck is just not possible. Yeah, and even then, these decks are these control decks are casting Kaya's Wrath not even for the you gain life eagle to number of creatures you controlled that were destroyed this way clause. They're literally looking at it as it's a four mana to destroy all creatures and stop. Three words don't now, care. Four mana, three words. Just like, just like the last time we had this style of mana base, which was Return to Ravnica Indestrod Standard, 
we have a variety of three-color mid-range decks kind of emerging out of all of this. Most of them tend to be green, uh, like Sultai, Teemer, and Naya appearing to be some early favorites to utilize the power of cards like Ravager Worm or Hy- or the aforementioned Hydroid Crisis. We've got Ab- uh, Abzan, which is looking at yeah. mostly – is mostly leaning on its green for Vra- both Vraska's and the Find of Finality and the modal card – uh, Night of Autumn. That's really all. It's that's yeah. really all it's touching on for that. It's not looking at the ramp side of things, but it's still green is good. Yeah, and then like we mentioned, the Esper mid range deck that was there. At the, it's actually at the bottom of the list. It's you know you look at it, you see Karn and Teferi, and you go okay, and then you see Thief of Sanity, Hero Precinct One, and you go okay, Hostage Taker. What? <laughs> yeah, it th- that is definitely a, a mid range deck if I've ever it's seen playing. one. And granted, it does have a control plan out of the sideboard. It's playing Warren that's and Warden. Like some control yeah, decks which are. Is still a very good card. It's still a very good card. Oh, no, I'm saying like it's um, running a control style card, which is like. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. So the mid range decks are going to fight over each other to figure out, you know, which one's kind of going to be best. And then you'll have the control decks that kind of try to go over that as well. Now, you, usually, it's you, set, usually notice, it settles into about two or three flavors of mid range yeah. that people will like absolutely be like, this is the three versions of mid range you should run. Go. Yeah. Now, there are also two Mardu decks, and I, I do love me some Mardu, uh, both with different takes on kind of how you're trying to win the game. Yeah. There's one which is an Aristocrats build featuring Alinda the Dusk Rose, as well as a couple of other powerful, you know, token makers like Hero of Precinct 1 to leverage all these gold, these multicolor cards you're going to be playing. Yeah. Uh, and then also utilizing kind of uh judith the scourge diva because her power her abilities are just insane yeah um so one of my teammates uh angel she's actually she was actually looking at sort of of a rakdos uh aristocratic style deck um i sent you this is the list i sent you a while ago i haven't seen any of her recent builds but basically anytime i saw any kind of mardu or rack mardu aristocrats rakdos mid-range any one of these kind of style decks i fired off the list from like hey do you see this list she's like no i haven't like here you go have the list uh, mainly yeah. just because it seems like that's how she wants to attack it. She is going to be going to SCG Indie, so she will be getting some nice high-level gameplay in with Standard Week 1. So I'm really stoked about that. That's why she's like, hey, do you want to take Standard? I can take Legacy. I'm like, no, no, no. You're going to actually go to a Standard event. You go take Standard. <laughs> um, yeah. But and now- yeah, the Mardu Aristocrats is really interesting. Now, unlike the last time – so. The reason why we call them Aristocrats decks is there was a card called Cartel Aristocrats that was one in a black. Was it 2-2, right? Uh, it was one in a black 2-2 human advisor. But, I think. Yeah. And it had sacrifice another creature and then whatever the heck. But It gains protection. Yeah. Whatever. From a color of your yeah, choice. You know, nobody cares about the protection, whatever. All they're looking at <laughs> is that you had a free sack outlet. Literally just said sacrifice another creature. You didn't have to pay any mana, whatever. It was the perfect sack outlet. Um we have one in Pitiless Pontiff, same stats, the bear, black, white, but you have to pay one and it gains death touch and indestructible, which is actually kind of pseudo relevant, which is kind yeah. of nice, actually. It plays around Kaya's Wrath really well. Well, not only that too, but it blocks all day. Yes. As long as you have another creature yes, and one mana open, she blocking every day. Or always attacking because no one's going to block it. Yeah, that's true. Unless you want to set up your combo. But yes, due to to this, some gross stuff. Uh, You have your Midnight Reaper uh, in there with, you know, sacrifice stuff to, yeah, pings you, you draw a card. Alenda's crazy. Um, But I think the the Theater of Horrors 
cropping up in these Mardu and Rakdos decks as card advantage for these red black decks, which usually don't don't get a whole lot of it. I think that is a really nice little touch. So Theater Harvest, by the way, is the one red black enchantment at rare. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, exile top card of your library. During your turn, and if opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards Exile with Theater of Horrors. You can pay three and a red to deal one damage to target opponent or Planeswalker with it as well. Odds are you're probably going to be doing some sort of damage. These decks are designed to literally just swing and do some damage in some way, shape, or form. Um, usually you can have yeah, Footlight Fiends. You can sack that thing to it or whatever like that. Um, there's also one of the Rakdos midrange decks is just basically strips out the white and it's running a bunch of gutter bones. It's running Fireblade Artist. So, yeah. you know, you can pair that up if you want. Uh, Spawn of Mayhem. Mm-hmm. The rare 4-4, four, four, or the Mythic Rare 4-4 four, four Demon for 4, but Spectacle for 3. Like, you stick that on turn 3, good luck winning the game. Yeah. Now, there's another deck I mentioned. I listed it as kind of a Mardu aggressive deck, but it's more Boros splashing black. And the black splash is for main deck Judith, as well as a couple of black sideboard cards. But it's utilizing Boros Challenger, Heroic Reinforcement, Healer's Hawk, Hunted Witness, and just these really cheap, powerful cards, Legion's Landing and the like. And then you just jam this this Judith, maximizing her, not necessarily her dies ability, but maximizing her plus one plus O ability to use these tokens and just to go ahead and make people's lives miserable. Yeah, curving a Legion Landing into something like... Like curving Legion's Landing into Boros Challenger into Judith. That's gross. Yeah, it it I it's something that I can. Get oh, and mind. then topping it off with the heroic reinforcements, like yeah. Hey, what's up? Choo choo. Good luck. Like I don't now. I, I don't. I honestly don't know how you beat that curve. Like seriously, that is a <laughs> disgusting curve because every all those one ones become three ones. Attack for one. Then the next turn, you're attacking for one, two, three, four, five. So that's six damage. Then the next turn, you make the soldiers. Um, and then the, everything is plus one, plus one, so that's one, two, three, six, um, six, twelve, uh, fourteen, fifteen damage the next turn. And you did. For the most yeah, part. Yeah, if you, if you <laughs> don't affect the board state at all, if you're spinning your wheels against that kind of deck on that kind of curve, you're just like, all right, cool, next game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, it's not easy. And... It finally happened. It took it took a while, <laughs> um, and finally the combo has has assembled because because our man is so good now. You can finally play your status statue goblin chain whirler deck. Uh, this is a deck by Weather Report, uh, which is basically mono red except for a couple cards. It's playing Find Finality in the main deck, one copy of Eldest Reborn, four copies of Status Statue, and then Rick's Mighty Reveler for its spectacle cost. Yeah, but everything else in the main deck is just we're going ham it's, it's just ret monorail we're going ham john yeah. they called it on uh i'm looking at the ones on that like Dempsey goldfish thing so i can collapse and expand them they're calling it john death whirler and you know what go right ahead my dude <laughs> i mean a death whirler would be very jund oh yeah well yeah it's it's kind of funny it's jeez i don't know how i feel about the two cinder barons in it but um I guess if you really needed those two extra black sources. I, at that point, <laughs> like I feel like you should probably just be running one more swamp 
and maybe a cinnamon. Well, it's, our, it's, it's playing six mountains, one swamp, so I'm not sure what the whole deal is here. Well, yeah, it's got oh, it's also like having... four blood crypt, four dragon skull summits, six mountain, four rootbound crag, four stomping grounds. It's not like you want for red sources. No. Like I would just be but like, you do, you do want to cast chain whirler on turn three, right, or turn four, depending. Right. So, so. I, yeah, I could see how you know a double swamp might. I see where it's coming from. I don't know if I agree. Yeah, I, I, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I don't know how. So, I f- yeah, um, there's you know I got some gruel aggro decks in here too. Uh, there's some but cool yeah, also simic. The gills are the gills are mostly present as well. Yeah, Simic's like, got some there's... aggro decks looking to curve like Alanor elves. They're kind of a weird like tokeny. Simic just gone straight token or plus one plus one uh, counters for a lot of these with like growth chamber guardian. It might be one of the big winners of the set because it's being played in almost every green mid range deck. It's being played in a Selesnia deck that five owed. It's being played in some of these three color green decks as well. Hey, surprise squad hawk. It's a good card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if you have to pay, you know, five mana over two turns, maybe to sometimes get draw the other one. Like, I mean, still pretty you're good. You're paying two and you're one in a green to get a bear. Yeah. And then if you just put Hadonis climb out on the battlefield, you don't even have to pay the extra mana. It's just, you just be like, uh, target this guy. Yeah. Or play, play Rhythm of the Wild, you know, play that on turn on turn three. The next turn you go Growth Chamber Guardian, put a counter on it, fetch another one, play Growth Chamber Guardian, get a, put a counter on it, fetch another one. Yeah, you just start chaining it and like it, the Squad Hawk squad goals. Exactly. Um, it, yeah, these it's really kind of cool. Um, also, like it tops off with Zagana Utopian Spear because you're just looking to put a whole bunch of counters on stuff. And you're just going to draw a card when you the battlefield. So four, 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 draw you a card. And then and tramples pretty and get, relevant and gives everything else that you've chunked a counter on at some point. Yeah, a trample. You're just like, well, huh. Now a notable car, a notable deck that has been exempt from all of this. Yeah, say it. Is there's no is it deck? Yeah, that five. It's, it's painful. There's no is it Drake's. There's no is it Phoenix. Painful as a Drake's. I didn't even check. I didn't even check to see if there was a Niv Mizzet. Oh, there is. Uh, there is. There's one deck with Niv Mizzet. Yeah, it's one of the team. It's one. one of the teamer control decks, and he's playing two in the sideboard. Yeah. yeah. So like, I'll say this: as somebody who was piloting Drakes, I did not see a lot of cards that came out this set that could just like there weren't glaringly obvious of oh my god, I need to jam this in this deck. Uh, Terramander, the one mana one one flyer that can has the weird pseudo adapt the pseudo for, delve yeah. adapt. Um, yeah, the seven blue. Get, it's cheaper if you have instant sorceries. Like that seems like it'd be great. I've seen people jam that in their deck. I don't know if that just missed the deck dump or something like that. People, I've seen people posting five O results with that. I've seen pictures of yep. it. But I, okay, cool. Um, it's it doesn't. <laughs> I'm just sad because the deck that I had is no longer good. Um, not no longer good, just no longer showing up right now. I say right now. Who knows? It's still a good yeah. deck. Like. We you can't deny the fact that Crackling Drake and Arclight Phoenix are amazing cards. I mean, heck, to be fair, Grixis Phoenix in Modern might be one of the odds-on current favorites to just take off now that KCI is gone. And Crackling Drake is being played in Modern as well. Well, yeah, like, that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's in that Arclight Phoenix deck, which is now cool. I will say th- I will say that I think one of the cards that makes um, Drake's a poor choice is. Um, consummate consume the two white black instant target player sacrifices the creature with the greatest power you gain life equal to that creature's power yeah that's a pretty good re- big reason not to play drake yeah 
just giving your opponent a plus 10 life swing for a good four mana, that's pretty good. Yeah. Like at that point, you just need to yeah. be jamming four of your uh, dive downs. But well, that doesn't even, right, stop, doesn't even stop dive down, right? Because it's a sat, it's like a edict style. It's tar- It's an edict, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, dis- yeah, woof. Yeah, Oofa so, <laughs> exactly. To be and to be fair, um, I feel like Drake's is kind of a deck that needs to see where the format shakes out to. That's true. Drake's does do better once it knows what's what's it's supposed to be playing against. Yeah. Um. It it wasn't really one of the standouts initially out of the gate, but once people paired it up and stuff, and the initial Phoenix style, the is it Phoenix list? I refuse to call any deck that has is it Phoenix in it is it Drake's because they're two wholly separate game plans. But that's a hill I'll die on some other time. <laughs> I I will die on that hill, but just not right now. Uh. Sure. No, the, the Phoenix decks that initially came out and then people were like, we should just play the Drakes because we're jumping through hoops to get these Phoenixes in the yard, but we still have just a great is it creature shell here. Um, I know for best of one, that's what, that's what my decision was. But yeah, uh, give me a more solidified uh, metagame and we'll see how it goes. I probably won't end up playing Drakes this standard uh, I gotta. The worst part is, is that like you mentioned, not a lot of the cards from the Drakes and Phoenix decks kind of tipped over into other ones. So that's going to be a lot of uh, wild cards that I need to redo on Magic Online, or not Magic yeah, Online it's Arena. Doable. It's doable, but it's just like, oof, <laughs> time to yeah. grind those wild cards again. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of kind of bring this to a close. You know, we mentioned the BNR announcement. We mentioned what's happening right now in standard. Well, we do, we uh, do, I look forward we to do kind of. We do. I do want to bring up one other thing, though. Uh, we kind of mentioned the Ben restrictor list before we get off of standard. I was mentioning, oh, we might see this deck out of standard. I didn't mention it at the time, but I honestly think that there is a good chance they're going to look hard at Nexus of Fate. I would Probably. not be surprised if they have a very, very, very close eye on that card reason being is i just want to bring this up i linked it i quote tweeted the guy yesterday i saw it late 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 last night i figured i'm not going to bother with night i'll link it in the morning when people will be awake uh there was a guy who was playing online he's like yeah my opponent's been doing this for five minutes i figure i might as well just fire up my stream and show it the guy was on stream for an hour like an hour and five minutes but continued for another 45 minutes after his stream ended so basically his opponent just literally sat there on magic arena would let it kind of let its timer kind of tick down a little bit right before it would rope, cast Nexus of Fate, let it go to his next turn, sit for a, for a couple seconds, cast Nexus of Fate. This guy, all he had was two Nexus of Fate in his hand, like one or two Nexus of Fate in his hand, a card in his life, like another one in his library, and uh, a quench in his hand. And the quench was known about because it was face up in the guy's hand. He had literally no way to win the game. He was at five life. His opponent was like at 41 life and had six power attacking on the board. All his opponent, all the guy who streamed had to do was just untap and attack, but he never got a turn in two hours on magic arena. So hopefully they figure out a way to prevent that from happening because it's really bad when your opponent's like, look, I'll sit here all day and loop this until you concede. Whereas in paper, technically that's not an option. Yeah. Cause you can call a judge and be like, He's literally doing nothing right now. He has no way to win this game. And John is a judge. I know they change how loops work. 
So the big thing is you have to do it a finite number of times. You you can't give a endpoint of you know a a infinite number of times. So how this would work in standard is if your opponent if the opponent is down to literally just like Nexus of Fate in hand and their only legal game move is to cast it and then it shuffles into their deck and then they draw it and they cast it and it shuffles in and draw it and they cast it. The judge basically says, okay, how many times are you going to do that? And you have to give them a number. And if you don't, then you lost because they're going to basically say, you can't do that for a turn. Do something else. And if you can't and you pass the turn, then your opponent on taps and says go and you try to draw a card and then, well. Yeah. In this case, they actually had one extra card in the library, so they could have actually sat for a turn and done it. Um, it got to the point yeah. where it was just the guy sat there and was just looping this one card. Um, in paper, they have that weird thing where it basically be like, you're not, I think the progressing the board state. You're not progressing the yeah, board progressing state. progressing the board state or prog- progressing the game state. I don't know if that's in there anymore, but Magic Online, you couldn't do that because you just literally run out of time on the chess timer. So Magic Arena is unique. And it's going to pose some challenges uh, to salt, kind of like that. I know people. It's it's a thing where the guy. The, there's something. There's a very special kind of salt that goes to playing Nexus. Of yeah, there's the streamer could have the guy who was the streamer could have easily just been like, yeah, whatever. I'll let you just. I'll just right click concede whatever. But he did kind of a good service in being like, I just want to get this on the record that the, a guy can literally sit on Magic Arena for one hour. And do nothing but cast Nexus of Fate and not win the game. So, yeah. yep, it was a, it was definitely a thing. So, I'll keep an eye on that. I hope to God or whatever deity exists that Nexus of Fate just doesn't become too much of a problem. Yeah, that's the big question. I guarantee you, though, if Nexus of Fate does prove a problem at uh, Mythic Championships in Cleveland. You better believe that it's going to get hit with the ban hammer. Also, look at the uh, the PAX East cha- yeah. uh, million dollar event. Well, that's in like August, right? That's like PAX East is in March. Oh, well, I keep thinking it was in like this, like this, the end of the summer. That's PAX West. Autumn. I thought PAX, oh, PAX, PAX West right. is PAX West is in the autumn. Yeah, PAX right. West yeah, is yeah, a yeah. Labor Day weekend, which is sure, end sure, of sure, August, sure, beginning sure. of September. For those of you who don't know about Labor Day, uh, yeah, PAX East is in March. Yeah. yeah, so that does make sense. Pax East, yeah, Thursday, March twenty eighth. So Perfect. so we got about two months to see how it shakes yeah, out. Yeah, they're supposed to announce how you can get invites to that thing in March. I bet that's coming soon. Anyways, Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do? You guys so? can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D I X O N I J. You guys can also find me on Twitch at Twitch.tv/dix. That's D I X. Uh, I will be doing a bunch of Legacy this weekend next. I plan on being around this weekend. I wasn't around last weekend. Uh, I can actually kind of announce... Did I announce it last week? I forget. My dad had cancer. Who you're playing with? No. Why we were late last week and I wasn't around the weekend. My dad, my dad uh, had surgery, get cancer removed out of his neck. Um, yeah, which sucks. But sounds like he's good He's now. on the mend. So, Hooray. We don't pretty sure we don't yeah. he won't need chemo. Excellent. Um, but I will be around this weekend, so expect weekend streams from me this weekend. I had a four day weekend last weekend, so I was like really hoping let's get a lot of testing in. I didn't really do that because I was hanging with him. Look for more testing streams this week. Also, it's kind of fun if it's in your bag at all, I guess. Uh, after SCG Baltimore, I'm probably going to be doing looking at Monday for Arena. Uh, 
Thursday will be maybe magic. Um, but I also just put a capture card in my computer where I can now play uh, console games through my computer. So look for switch streams and stuff like that. I'll be probably doing like Monday, Thursday, and then either a rotating Friday, Saturday, or Sunday kind of thing. So a wild card weekend. John, where can people find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. If you see me floating around a Twitch chat, do not hesitate to say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes in the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.